especially as a black person, don't let your timeline be dictated by someone else's. You have to maintain like progressive pace on your career if you want to make it somewhere because people will always doubt what you're able to accomplish if you're not holding them accountable to your timeline and to like a timeline that's you know similar to your peers, then you will be left behind. Welcome to Corporate for the Culture, where we dismantle the career system to provide the next generation of Black corporate leaders with tools to build the career they deserve. Today, I am very excited for a special conversation with a very special person, Kyle Bailey. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. This series of conversations, we've been really talking about career planning. We've had a couple of episodes on what it means to career plan, the importance of it, how does one find passion and purpose. And so this particular episode, we're going to bring that to light through your personal experiences. Um, Kyle has a breadth and depth of credentials, experiences, perspectives that I don't think anyone can doubt um, just all the success that you've had. But I know that you're also a fan of our podcast and very much familiar with our dimensions of identity as we kick off every episode because Black people aren't monolithic. So tell us a little bit about your dimensions of identity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. First of all, just happy to be here today. Happy to share the the mic with a podcasting up and coming legend here. <laughs> um, so I'm a Black male. Um, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I've been a bit of a, a nerd in the past, but I'm a huge uh, fan of sports as well, too, which is interesting that I, I say that as if those two things can't coexist. Um, I'm a software engineer. I uh, see myself as an optimist, um, as someone who is a big believer in the human condition and specifically like how we can make the world a better place by helping each other. One of his uh, top identities though, is he is my partner, but th this doesn't uh, just take away from the potential bias that I might have in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so let's jump off. So I don't know if you've heard about this, Kyle, but um, this period is now called the great resignation. And okay. that's, <laughs> and that is because um, a recent study showed about 4 million people have quit their jobs in April alone. Okay, mm. that's 4 million people. And that's the highest quit level that we've ever seen since uh, the 2000s. And really, that's because what at least my hypothesis is and happy for you to share yours, but I do think the pandemic with all of its disruption really caused pause and reflection in terms of what is really important in life. And that's what we talked about in our previous episode around passion, purpose, and what's gonna make you wanna show up in your true excellence in corporate America that you feel matches your value. And I think an interesting other study is that one third of black professionals intend to leave their companies within the next two years. And black mm -hmm. professionals are 30% more likely to intend to leave because of their white counterparts. And so um, I know that's one particular topic, but for you, I know that you're right now in a transitional period. I mean, it started at the beginning of COVID, um, but I think actually just to take a step back, why don't you give our listeners 
a little bit of a snapshot of how you navigated your career experience, what your journey has been so far. And um, then we could talk about those pivotal moments that caused you to shift or change within what you were doing or working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like that idea around pivotal moments as well, too, because there, there definitely have been three or four for myself. Um, so, you know, I started off, um, you know, I'll, I'll really describe my career in, into three distinct phases. The first, um, where I just kind of worked at a company. So when I graduated from college, um, I went to Michigan state and I didn't do a lot of internships actually. Um, and, um, by, you know, the time I graduated, my grades weren't like they weren't the the best. Like I didn't have a 4.0. I wasn't, you know, valedictorian, salutedictorian or, or anything like that. So, and I was really focused on just getting out. Um, I remember in my junior year, uh, one thing that got me really motivated um, is I looked at the salaries of like starting software engineers. And I was like, wow, like I'm currently making $0 an hour, $10 an hour. And um, I would love to just be able to have my own apartment, get my own, get a new car, you know, like those are the small things in life that um, really, really motivated me at that time. And um, I got out and I got a job. And I worked at um, really small companies for a very long time until I ended up joining um, a startup that was based here in Atlanta. And so that kind of led like the next phase of my career because this company ended up getting acquired by VMware. And through that, I moved moved to the Bay Area, um, joined a number of tech companies like Uber, Airbnb, um, Cash App, et cetera, um, and really learned a lot about um, just like the, the struggles of corporate America for Black and Black, uh, for, for minorities in general. Um, and, um, especially in tech and, um, um, you know, and I actually, it, it's interesting you, you bring up the great resignation because I ended up resigning at the beginning of this year. Um, and made a career transition myself too. So now I'm in really the third phase where I'm kind of stepping back and taking the, taking a break, um, and deciding what exactly do I want to work on next. And I'm in, in the process of figuring some of that out right now. I, there's a lot of, I think what I would define as career risk triggers that, that many people experience that you just talked about this idea of wanting to get out, but you may not be able to identify what's wrong, but there's something that just feels like it's more draining than motivating to get mm -hmm. out of bed in the morning to, we, we understand. And I know that you're very much aware and motivated around this topic of financial freedom and what does wealth really mean? And I know we particularly have had conversations around getting the data points to have leverage to make sure that you're treated fairly, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to highlight that reflection because I, I do think when you don't have the right information, you get undervalued, which is kind of that, that paycheck. And most mm -hmm. people know that in order to catch up you have to change jobs, right? So that's mm -hmm. another career risk trigger that we see is you're not getting compensated in the way that you should be based on your experiences and credentials. Um, and then I guess the third is 
I'll call it a blessing, not a privilege, <laughs> but we've talked about, you know, taking this time to fully take a step back and really be intentional about what matters the most to us. And we'll actually, again, put us on a pathway forward where we feel seen, valued, um, we grow and we're compensated fairly. I think those are all really important components. And that's how I would summarize some of those pivotal moments, but I don't know if I forgot anything within your reflection. No, 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 that was good. That was, that was a pretty good summary. I think, um, I think the, the, the first step in any like ideal career journey is to define a goal, you know, just like in life. And um, I think one of the challenges for uh, the culture and black professionals in particular is that a lot of the goals that we grew up with aren't really relevant in today's world. Right. So my parents, for instance, uh, my mom worked uh, for the state and she ended up getting a pension. My dad worked, you know, his whole life at, you know, one factory. And by the time he was ready to retire, they ended up firing him, you know, because they got acquired. And we don't live in a world where like those options exist really to get ahead in life. And even those options themselves are also pretty limited, right? I mean, if you look at a lot of my peers, they have completely different goals. And I think a lot of that has to do with just exposure um, and, and role models, right? You look for myself, my, my goals changed dramatically when I moved to San Francisco. And even the reason why I moved to San Francisco was because a friend of mine um, worked in executive compensation at a, a major tech company. And they told me exactly what executives were making. And it kind of blew my mind at the time that people could come to work every day as just like a director or a senior director and make a million dollars in cash, right? Like when I was growing up in Detroit, the only people that made a million dollars in cash were, were, were basketball players or athletes, right? And um, that fundamentally changed my like goals and it shifted my perspective on life. I would say like the second thing is just being around people who even had more money than that, right? So when I was at Uber, a colleague of mine was one of the first interns there. So he was like employee number three. I mean, and when when you work at a tech company, you actually get uh, stock in the company at a very, very low price. And so by the time they went public, you know, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And same thing with um, at Airbnb, my skip level at one point was one of the co-founders. And you can look up online to see how many billions of dollars he's worth. And I think a lot of people don't have that perspective to, to like understand that they can achieve these things or that these things are even like possible in life. Um, and so part of, um, part of the career journey is like figuring out like what is the most optimal route to reach that goal that you have set for yourself, even as you continue to like optimize that goal over time. And I think for me, personally, the way I think about my career, um, just gathering enough information and enough data points from people. Uh, so like talking to people in my field, understanding like what they did for their career, understanding what, uh, you know, how much they earn, you know, like having these like very, very transparent dialogue with people who, um, who I can trust. And um, then just sitting back and like actually trying to think and trying to plot and trying to just identify like, what are those, um, what are those skills that I don't have that people do have that are doing that are doing what I would like to do? Um, and then um, how can I 
uh, either acquire those skills and how can I not just acquire those skills, but like demonstrate those skills and be able to talk about those skills um, in a way that can convince somebody to take a chance. I do think that's a great framework and there's actually a lot to unpack Sure. with, <laughs> with what you were just talking about. I mean, to your point, if we just take a step back around defining the goal and I, I appreciate um just the awareness and the acknowledgement that like the generations before us are very much up against different things that we are today. When mm -hmm. I think about some of the decisions my parents made, it was all about how do we provide Gabrielle all the experiences that we weren't able to have, but we were just trying to survive through a system in a community where like I was one out of three black students in a class of 300, but it's about acclimating yourself, right? Like just trying to figure it out. And it was their first time. I don't, I don't think I've actually taken the reflection of how it started based on not just the experiences, but that makes sense with the fact that you said role models. When I think about how I identified where I am today, it was because I'm a curious person by nature and I like to understand people and what motivates them and through just having conversations. And I think we can all say this today, we're discovering careers that we never knew that you could, you know, that people had or did. And it's all very interesting, but I, I want to talk about also this idea of yes, exploration role models kind of drive perspectives but then you talked about identifying that optimal route. I'm more curious about because how does one define that optimal route? Maybe it was what you were talking about before, like understanding the skills, how to acquire them, how to demonstrate them. But I do also think that the optimal route for black people is a lot different than when you were talking about peers, meaning your white colleagues, because even the optimal route it takes like 10 times as much effort and it's not about potential. It's about demonstrating actual experience. So a, I guess it could be, we could take this conversation to talk more about what an optimal route is and how do you identify that? Um, and maybe your process of acquiring new skills and then B, I just want to kind of double click in terms of making it real for people in terms of kind of the, black professional burden that we do have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's real. And I, part of it is, um, you know, we live in a world of context. And so it's very easy to say that like everyone should be treated fairly. And, and, um, and, you know, we live in a society where it's hard to like say out loud that you, that you disagree with that. Right. Because it is a, it is a fundamental truth. Like I want to be treated fairly. I'm sure everyone else does as well too, but what the context is around it is, um, people aren't treated fairly, right? So I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. We had, um, it was the largest city in America to ever go bankrupt. Um, we didn't ha really have good school books. We didn't have computers in my school until like my senior year. And like, I'm at a disadvantage compared to peers who went to a, a richer school district, right? And you think, well, okay, like why, what, like, you know, context is all about understanding like, why does that exist? And the context behind that is, the idea that, um, you know, school districts are funded by property taxes, right? And we, there's a long history of discrimination racially 
um, institutionalized on property taxes in America. You talk about redlining, um, you talk about the GI Bill, et cetera. So there's like a long history of discrimination, right? Even you can go even further to say, you know, my my parents got a job because that's what that was like. That was that was great for them. They didn't have the same opportunities that I had today. Like the world was a very different place. My mom watched Martin Luther King march. You know what I mean? It's a very different place then than it is today. And with some of my peers, when I worked, uh, when I worked in set in tech and in San Francisco, you know, their parents were professors of computer science, which is just like a mind blowing advantage compared to me, right. right? Like, why should I be in the same room? Like, you know, you know how much harder I had to work to grow up in a mm-hmm. school without computers. And you grew up in a house where you're, you're literally your mom or your dad taught this subject. They told you what to, <laughs> what to major in. They like help you with your homework. This is a complete, completely, you know, disadvantage, right? Anyway, I say all that to say that like, yeah, the institutions exist, right? And so as a black person, you do have to navigate it very differently. And I I read a book a while ago. I wish I could remember the name. I'm going to try to find it. But uh, one thing that it said was like, you know, black people get promoted based on um, actual work done. And, um, you know, white men uh, in particular, this is the research, they get promoted based on potential. And so what you'll see is you'll see a chart where, you know, their white peer will get promoted at a very steady pace throughout their career. And the black professional will have to, like, demonstrate a lot of capabilities um, and ability in their current role for a very long time. And then they will, like, kind of skyrocket up and, like, ultimately, like, catch that's not everybody. That's just the ones who who end up as like the CEOs, the Kenshinals, et cetera. And so you do have to navigate that world a lot differently and you do have to be very strategic. I think the way I think about navigating that is about acquiring acquiring skills that no one can doubt or like and credentials that no one can doubt, no one can question you on. You know, when I step in the room, and I tell people, you know, I went to this school, I worked at these companies, like no one can doubt my credentials at that point, right? Um, and the reason why I got those is because of the last success that I had and then the last success that I have. And so when you, when you, when you get one success, the way that I think about navigating is, okay, now what can I do with this success that I just got? And like, how can I make that even an even bigger success, right? Like, so what, what is the next move that would be even better than the one that I did just then that can demonstrate to people that I, um, I'm capable um, at, at my job. That all makes sense. And it's also just heartbreaking, right? I mean, like, but it's reality. Like you said, the world isn't fair. I'm just more thinking about how working in DNI, we always hear this kind of pushback from the white majority of saying like, well, I, I worked hard too. Like I didn't have it easy. Right. But I think the story that you just told gets down to some of the nuts and bolts of you have no place to, to speak in this arena <laughs> because there are things that you could never understand or that you never experienced. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it has to do with context and you have to understand the way, the way and the why that the world is today. Um, before before you can like wait different experiences and, and you know it's because of that context that you know nine times out of ten a black person doing the same job as like someone um, of a you know majority race it's 
they, they probably had to work a lot harder to get there. I loved that. Okay. So I made a quote, the way and the why <laughs> before you can weigh in. I love that. You know, if we take a, another path here and just think about your, where you are today, you talked a little bit about your, how you go about career planning. You had mentioned that you're in a moment where you're taking a step back, you resigned. What are some of the questions that you're currently asking yourself that you think could be scaled for our listeners? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just to figure out what exactly you're driving towards. Um, You know, because you can end up down a road that you actually don't want to go down, right? And I'll I'll give you an example where, um, you know, let's say that, you know, your goal is to make the most money possible. You can end up at a job that you absolutely hate. The, the, you know, the bright spot or the, the perfect places where you are doing work that you're love that you love, um, and it's uniquely valuable to the world. And so you're paid and you're, you're, um, uh, compensated for that work. Um, and so, you know, some of the questions that I'm asking myself are what were the times when I found the most joy in my job and the work that I do, um, I'm realizing it's not sales. Um, it's it's more around uh, coaching individuals and in particular, helping um, engineers become leaders. Um, like I've, I've, I've had a lot of success doing that and I really enjoy um, seeing someone, you know, grow from an intern to, to a manager, right? Like there's a lot of personal progress that a person has to do in order to do that. Um, and it's good to be able to be a part of that. And the other thing is just like, I really enjoy software personally. Like I think, I think software um, is changing the world. I think it's a place where you can have a lot of leverage and affect a lot of people and it's extraordinarily creative. And so like, those are the two things that, as I look for opportunities that I want to, that I want to do, that's what I want to, you know, focus on. And then the second thing is, um, picking the kind of company that you want to work on. Like if you, if you have the opportunity to do that, I'd say um, I'm very intentional around figuring out like what is not just what is good today, but what will be good in four years. Like what is technology that's changing the world? Um, I, I personally find myself the most challenged when I'm working with really, really smart people and really, really smart people are drawn to really, really hard problems that have found product market fit. Um, and so those are the, like the type of opportunities that I'm looking at because um, those can help me grow uh, to the next phase of my career as well. Well, I appreciate those two kind of pillars there. And I, I, it does really much resonate in terms of in a different way from a higher level, because I think you've had, I always tell Kyle that he's uh, five, maybe I'll be where he is in five years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but for, for those who are more at the beginning of their manager journeys, um, that is like a big theme that I've been hearing about. Don't rush the process because the the number one thing you don't want to happen is you join a role or a culture that's not the right fit to Mm -hmm. really help you excel. And then you're starting from scratch. So make sure you're intentional. And and like you said, make sure, um, it brings you joy. Go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I just want to add, add one more point to that because, and you know, this is 
especially as a black person, don't let your timeline be dictated by someone else's. You have to maintain like progressive pace on your career if you want to make it somewhere because people will always doubt what you're able to accomplish if you're not holding them accountable to your timeline and to like a timeline that's, you know, similar to your peers, then you will be left behind. I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of a mic drop moment. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, the only thing that I'll say, I can open the floor if there's anything else that you want to contribute to the career planning conversation. But I, I, I do feel like those last words were a piece of wisdom itself. I actually do have some words of wisdom that I, I want to leave uh, everyone with. And the, the one thing I think that um, Black professionals in particular can do um, a better job at is just helping each other. You know, um, I was part of an organization called Dev Color. Um, I was one of the founding engineers, luckily enough. And we do a, like a peer model of mentorship. And so I think we need to find groups where we are where we're discussing information with each other, where we're getting all of these insights and sharing them together. Um, and the second thing is like mentors, you know, um, whether those are peer mentors, whether they're people who are executives, whether they're just, you know, maybe you would like pick and pull a little bit of what you admire out of a few people in the world and just ask them questions. Um, make sure that you're broadening your perspective on life with those two things. I think those community of service around Black professional is so important. I mean, that's why I have these conversations um, and invite people to the table to share their wisdom and experiences is to help share tactics and tools, but also most importantly, create some more transparency into what we are actually truly up against within the constructs of corporate America. So with that, Kyle, thank you for joining us. On corporate for the culture. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored to have been invited as a guest and I hope I was able to convey even a small piece of knowledge. Oh, it was bigger than small, Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>